0: Welcome to today's Church Central podcast. We're a family of churches across Birmingham. To find out more, head to churchcentral.org.uk.
1: This psalm is a song by the Hebrew King David. It talks about both the size of God, his power and his authority, but also the compassion and the closeness of God. Verse 3 gives us a really helpful indication of God's heart. We, we have our eyes lifted to this God who rides on the clouds. He's above Ukraine. He's above floods in Pakistan. He's above families that are broken down. This God is bigger. He sees things from a bird's eye perspective, and it's not phased by the, the intricacies that we get stuck in because we can't see that from that view. He's spoken, though, of a father to the fatherless, a defender of widows. He doesn't just stay up in the clouds. He comes down. And he understands what it means to be a father to people, to actual widows that have lost people. He has compassion for what's going on down here. He's not just bothered about there. He's bothered about here as well. And then God talks about being in his holy dwelling. I don't know what things come to mind for you. I think of angels, heaven, or I think of splendor. And then we move him to placing lonely people into families. Not just family up there, actual families here on earth. Recognizing that there's an intrinsic link between what a family looks like here, between what he's designing. There's some, some sort of parallel that's going on that's really hard to kind of explain, but that's how it should be and that's why it hurts us when it doesn't go right. So, here's some a couple of reflections. In creation, in the book of Genesis, God designed us to be in family. Now, I know we might not all be married or parents, we might not have lots of siblings. All our family, what family means for us, is going to be different. Some out of choice, some not so much. But humans are not built to go it alone. That would be my summary from Genesis. It's no, no. You, you, it's not just about Adam doing stuff. It's no, no. You've got to have some help here, mate. Scripture, scripture doesn't allow us to have a kind of one size fits all. This is the picture of family. I, I think you can look at different areas in scripture where family can mean different things, and it's worth just stepping back, thinking: Do I have like a default? this is the biblical view of what family looks like. Because I don't, I think you're gonna get unstuck quickly if you go through the the spread of scripture for that. And as I said, we all have different experiences as a family. Some of us have, it's been a challenge our whole life. It's been a safety blanket. But Jesus's understanding of family where people gathered around him in community together, was much less about DNA sharing or rings on fingers. So that's what we're wanting to build at Church Central North. We often use the phrase, we're a church family together. Now, we don't get that perfect. I'm sure at times we've all experienced how I kind of wish my brothers in the church would do this for me, or um, I wonder how I might help my sister here in church. That's fine. We might go through our whole life working that stuff out, and we've got plenty of time to do that. But there is a mandate, a call for us to be family, and actually not just us in a little holy huddle here at church on a Sunday expressing family to the community around us here's a couple of questions what steps might you need to take to be more involved in family now that might be church family it might be your nuclear family whatever you're thinking of let God just speak to you, that's fine what excites you or scares you about being in family, being vulnerable being exposed, having to deal with conflict, and how might Jesus help in all of that? And then, lastly, before I hand over, we can look at Jesus on the cross. This is one of my favourite bits in the Bible. For those of you, that I used to work for an organisation called Home for Good, who deal with uh, bringing fat children that aren't able to live with their own birth families into other families, whether that's adoptive or fostering. And we see this clip, and I love it. It's one of the last things Jesus does. It's one of his last acts. So John 19, verse 25. Near the cross of Jesus stood his mother, his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother there and the disciple who he loved standing nearby, he said to her, Woman, here is your son. And to his disciple, he says, here is your mother. And from that time on, the disciple took her into his own home. Jesus is dying for the sins of the world, yet he's concerned with a very real practical family issue. Who's going to look after my mum? Who's going to look after my my disciple, my friend? This stuff we're going to talk about isn't like... Well, it's kind of like a default, we have to deal with it a little bit, but we've got this wonderful big cloud picture of God. The two are joined together. You can't have one or the other. To do it properly, you have to shove them both together and deal with it. And I suppose using that story, we can ask ourselves, who might we be Mary's to? Who are the, the ones that have lost someone or children that don't have a, a father or a friend nearby? Who might we be a John to? How can we care for those that are widowed or struggling with having lost someone? Very apt, isn't it? Very kind of helpful for what we're walking through as a church. So Eunice is going to come up and then I'm going to tag on at the end.
0: Hi, Anne. Um, first of all, I just want to thank you for having me today. Um, actually, it's been a bit of an emotional journey coming through and seeing people referring to each other as brother and sister, um, to seeing a church family that is going through grieving and actually how you guys are supporting your church family. Um, yeah, it's, just, it's a bit emotional for me. Um, and actually, I wasn't going to share this, but I am. Um, Part of the reason I'm so emotional is because um, me and my husband are expecting our first child, which is very exciting. My parents live up in Lancashire um, and the rest of my family Across the country, across to Norfolk, and so we are in Birmingham as a as a little family on our own. Um, and I've already seen parts of my church family saying, "We've got a cot. Would you like it? We have got a daughter who's turning 18. She'd love to babysit for you." Um, and seeing church family panning out is amazing for me. Um, but I've just got some uh, stories of families that we've met over the last couple of weeks. So. A is a mum to two boys aged seven and five. Their family don't live nearby, and she's been struggling to give that individual attention that both of her boys need. The five-year-old doesn't have a formal diagnosis, but school are looking at supporting him in his educational needs. He's got a really short attention span, uh, full of energy, and likes to be the center of attention all of the time. Mum is tired and she's parenting by herself um, and she feels like she's constantly on the go, especially with that youngest child. She would love to be able to spend some quality time with her older son, but it's difficult when the younger one is taking up all of that time. And so the older son feels like some of his emotional needs aren't being met, despite the fact that he's got a wonderful, loving mum. We also met a lovely mum um, who had to leave her home and is living in a refuge in Sanwell. She's got a 16-month-old daughter who is absolutely beautiful. And she really wants to get her confidence back. It's been stripped right back to nothing. She wants to reduce her feelings of anxiety. She enjoys going for walks and she'd love to join a local toddler group. But she's just too nervous to take that first step into a group. And the third person is a nan, who now finds herself approaching 60 in the, um, taking parental responsibility for her grandchildren. She never thought that at her age she would be doing the school run and football and packed lunches and everything else that it takes to parent those children. Recently, her health has deteriorated, and she is currently undergoing chemotherapy. She's found herself increasingly isolated and lonely, and in the relationship with her grandchildren is becoming really stretched. Home is a place that doesn't feel like home anymore, and each day she is simply surviving to provide what she can for those children. But what would it look like if someone, not unlike you or I, came alongside her and said, Let's go for coffee, let's have a chat? Let's sort your house out. I know it's been a burden for a really long time. You have carried so much for so long. What if someone else came along and said, your grandchild, he likes to play football. We go to a local football club. Let's go to the park. Let's join this football club together. Maybe they could even come back to our house for dinner and then go back to you. What could that do for those grandchildren? What could it do for their relationship with their grandparent? And if someone else said, like Chris, that blind, you've not got one, but you need one. I can come along and I can spend half an hour. I don't know how long it takes to put a blind up. (laughs) More than half an hour. (laughs) I can put that blind up for you. We can do this together. What would that look like for this little family that have been through so much? To feel like they belong we guys, we have a church family, but this family are living on their own. What would it feel like for them to be brought into community? Well, the good news is that for this particular family, and um, that's what did happen. We were able to connect Nan to a wonderful couple who were able to go out. Um, they provided support taking Nan and the children out um, so they could help support those children whilst they are running around in the park. Um, and the, the women meet up now for coffee to talk about the youngest child's behaviour and different techniques that they can use and just to understand where each other's coming from because that lady knows those grandchildren. Um, and since her cancer diagnosis, the volunteers have really stepped up and this is not something that we ask of our volunteers, but these guys chose to. They now pick their children up um, every third Wednesday from school, um, and that's the day that Nan is having her chemotherapy. They take the children back to their house, they do fun activities, they provide them with dinner, they get them ready for bed, and they take them back to Nan. Nan knows that while she's having her treatment, her children are being cared for and loved, and that's one less thing that she has to think about um, in her really chaotic day. Um, she doesn't need to think about the safety of her children. And really, that is the heart of Safe Families. Day in, day out, week in, week out, we get to see the impact that those small acts of kindness and love have on the people around us. Um, people finding belonging and finding a community to join in with Um, and I just want to tell you that it it works it really works having a friend that you can confide in this mum who um, needs to go to a toddler group all she needs is someone to go with her to give her that confidence to do it (laughs) Um, the first two stories that I, I showed you, um, I told you, sorry, they don't currently have a volunteer. That is something that they, like, we have met them in the last couple of weeks, um, and are working towards that volunteer. But imagine how different their lives can be um, if, if you could go for a coffee, if you could support them to that toddler group, to begin to rebuild the confidence that has been lost through life's experiences. We get to hear impossible stories of lives changed because someone has shared Jesus' love. Even if they haven't shared Jesus' name, they've shared his love and made a difference. Now, there might be a quote on the screen um, of the, the family with the, the children and the nan. <clears throat> and it says this. E gave me a big hug when we picked them up. She had said she didn't like hugs when, she, when we initially met her. That's nothing massive, but that little girl being able to trust another human being enough to be able to hook her are the little things that give me so much joy and make my job worthwhile because they are making a massive difference to people's lives. Um, And so we've just got a story, um, another story that's going to be on a video of a mum who was experiencing some health difficulties and the difference in her life when someone was able to come alongside and support her.
2: My name is Nazul and I have a boy who is three years old. I came across their families uh, in November 2020. At that time, I was very sick and in pain. I was um, not able to meet his needs at all at that time. And I needed time for myself to recover from that pain. The priority was meeting all his physical, emotional and day-to-day needs. He was just two years old.
0: My name is and I'm close to
2: the same families. I was told that Isaac's mom was in pain and she had bad pain, so she couldn't really care for him probably at that time. So I just needed to post him through days just so that she could get better. I just loved him being here, just his behavior, seeing him engage different toys, moving from one toy to the other was just so amazing and that was when he woke up in the morning, he was full of life he was happy i got to know more more i was able to encourage her and advice cause she was just going through a difficult time and i'm really grateful to say family so provided me a sister by giving that human and real life you know support it it gives strength to stand again. Stand again from a broken back, physically healthy, out of depression, you know, now I'm more positive and more happy. And then from unemployment to getting a job and being happy with my life, because now I'm able to meet my son's need. And I'm taking care of my son the way I want. And I go to a family in
0: the form of isakan i have a sister i've got a family in the form of Issacan. isn't that an incredible picture of what has happened and um, not just in this lady's life but across the country with different people and i'd love to invite you guys to be part of it So you might be sat there thinking, we've got a spare room, we could host a child once a month um, for a weekend, do it, it would be great, it would be good to have you on board. Or you might be thinking, I could get alongside that grandmother, I could go for a cup of tea, I could have a chat, I could listen, I could be that adult that she's not seen all day but gets to speak to an adult. Um, Our volunteers are aged 18 all the way up to 98. We love... Family, and um, we believe that everyone should have brothers and sisters, aunts, uncles, grandparents where they live, and so there's a place in this for you. Do come and see me afterwards if you'd like to be involved, or perhaps you've got stuff in your loft. We love to connect your stuff to people who need it. Again, this morning, I've heard people I've not bought any baby clothes because they've got passed me from different people in my church family that's amazing how good would it be to share that a little bit further into our community and we've got the facilities to be able to connect you to the people that need it Um, or you might be thinking i'm great at diy i'd love to put up blinds i'd love to do someone's gardening i'd love to come alongside someone and teach them how to build even the basics of ikea furniture Um, Again, we can put your skills to work with people who just need that example, that that talk through it the first time before they can do it for themselves. Or perhaps you're sitting there thinking, I love this, this is amazing, but I just don't have the time to give. It's absolutely okay. Perhaps you could partner with us financially, and that's not to take away from your financial giving to your church and your church's mission and community. But we would, um, yeah, we're passionate about families being part of communities, deserving to belong. But it takes resources to live it out. We'd love to have the finances in our bank account to support all 260 families heading our way just in Birmingham um, until next April, when it'll be another 260 families coming to us. But we can't say that we've got the resources for that. So if you'd like to partner with us financially, Again, come and speak to me afterwards, um, because we know that £8 a month can support a family for a year. Or perhaps you are thinking quite rightly, goodness me, this needs a lot of prayer. And we say it absolutely does. We have such a big vision that every single person who is isolated in the UK would know hope and belonging. But we know that that's something that can only be done through Jesus. So if you would pray with us, then please do sign up as a prayer partner. At the end of the day, we believe that nobody should be alone, that every single person deserves to belong. So would you guys come and be part of the movement that is changing the social fabric of Britain? Because through the church in the UK, the local church, not through Safe Families, not just through Home for Good or Kids Matter or Christians Against Poverty, but through the local church... We are the hope for the world. And we believe that Jesus can and will change it for his good. So we'd love for you guys to be part of that journey with us. Thank you. Thanks, Chris. Great,
1: thanks, Eunice. Excellent. Just to, to finish, I want to highlight a little bit about Hope for Good, who Eunice mentioned. So this is an organisation I used to work for, and they've got a couple statistics Every 15 minutes in the UK, a child will come into care. Many will have suffered neglect or abuse. All all will have experienced this trauma and loss. Each one deserves a home where they'll be loved, nurtured and enabled to thrive. Whether that's through short-term or long-term foster care or with a new adoptive family or a supported lodgings host. Every 15 uh, 15 minutes, a child enters the care system. So an additional 9,300 foster families are needed. There are currently 2,000, more than 2,000 children in the UK that are waiting to be adopted. 53% of those have been waiting for more than 18 months for adoption. And black children in the care system are disproportionately represented and they always or often wait longer to find homes. There's a lot of reasons for that. I'm happy to talk about it later. So, how are Home for Good Helping? Well, they're being an influence. They're speaking to government. They're trying to make system changes, not just kind of putting plasters on at the other end of the scale. They're trying to inspire churches and individuals to play their part. They provide really helpful information. So you can go, if you want to find any of these stats, Home for Good would be the first place I'd recommend going uh, on kind of what the current trends are. They've got books, training, and resources. And it might not be that everyone here, it's not like you're going to adopt, so therefore you've got to go and read a load of books. Actually, we'll have people amongst us that will be going through that journey, uh, if not right now, in the future. And it'll be helpful to be equipped and know what we're walking into together for that. Investment and invitation to buying local churches to partner with them in that and again there's ways you can help with home for good if you're feeling inclined uh, which is uh, through prayer through financial giving uh, being part of kind of support networks i i remember working with one family when i was working for home for good and they didn't they only had one family in the church that um would, would had i think either, i can't remember their fostering or that had adopted some kids but like the family was just going through the mill a little bit, it was quite difficult. So the church said, That's no, fine, listen, bring your ironing every week. And there's two women that sit at the back of the church during the preach and they just do the ironing for the family. And I was like, Do you know what? Like at first I heard us, that's a bit weird. And then I was like, Do you know what? That's really beautiful. Like, there's something really precious about that. So it's not just that we have to do the big stuff of build an extension, get a room and, and do adoption. Me and Zoe have been on that journey We're thinking, listen, is this, is this something we need to think about for ourselves? And actually, we came to the conclusion, actually, we don't think that that's God's plan for us as a couple, but I do think it's important that everyone considers whether that might be something, and at least give some time over to thinking about that as well. Listen, there's lots of needs at the moment. There's kids on our doorsteps. That won't, won't know what it is to be loved by a mom or a dad. Won't, won't know what know what it feels like to go to bed feeling safe and secure. This is very much a us issue. If we want to love and be light to the broken city around us, we have to open our eyes to some of these things. We can't just shut ourselves off from it. So let's pray now. We're going to have a space, if you've got any questions, um, an opportunity just to chat chat some stuff through but at least let us be praying for these families